Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Welcome to episode number 102 of Linux in the Ham Shack. This is our second episode minus the Richard. And uh, so far, our feedback has suggested that everything's going pretty well. I am Rusk, A5TUX, as usual, coming to you from between the peaks in the pine forests of north central Arkansas. And considering that our co-host... Our usual co-host is now on hiatus and rambling around the country in his underwear with a gingham bag attached to a pole. We have been searching around for guest hosts, and tonight we have one who's been on before. And as part two of a special sort of podcast exchange program we've had going on, where I visited Mintcast last night, the Mintcast is visiting us. So we have Rob from the Mintcast, and we were supposed to have Scott too, but like a jerk, he decided he had something better to do that involved, I don't know, a daughter, family, family something like that. of yeah. all things. Yeah, I know. Come on. So it's just Rob tonight. So how are you doing, Rob? And uh, what have you been doing since yesterday? I've been doing, I'm doing great, Russ, um, and it's great fun to be here. I'm surprised, actually, that after the uh, the extreme domination of the airtime that I, I did last time I was here that uh, you even invited me back. So um, so I'm doing well. Uh, since last night, let's see, what have I done? Let's see, I slept for a little bit in there. Um, I had to go to work. It, it's an un- inconvenient reality of life that, that you got to do that. And then uh, sat down. Actually, I was listening on the way into work and on the way home to the Security Now podcast. So he's on there talking about uh, Steve Gibbs, and he's on there talking about Tor. So I thought, oh, okay, that sounds kind of interesting. Let me go find out what that is. So that I did spend a few minutes tonight trying to figure out what Tor was and why I might care. So looks interesting, uh, complicated at this point, but interesting nonetheless. So, so what have you been up to since uh, since we talked last night? Really, the only thing I've been doing other than trying to get some work done is get my notes and everything pulled together to have something akin to a show tonight. I think it may awesome. have succeeded. It's looking pretty promising from this point, yep. Hopefully it is, and uh, I put a little thing in the in the second segment there where I want you to think about a topic of your own, and perhaps by the time we get there, we can talk about something you want to talk about. Um, but I, make I, something I, up, yeah. Yeah. I believe I have the rest of the show pretty much planned out pretty well. So um, 
I guess I can launch right into some of my announcements up here at the top. Let me ask before we get rolling on this where Bill has been, because I don't see any show notes for episode 101 yet. So what's wrong with you, Bill? Where you been? How come we have no show notes? Or am I just missing them? So I, I got a comment, got a question about this. So you have somebody that is willing to take abuse from you like that and do your show notes for you? That's I, right. And so this we, is the difference between being amateurs like the Mintcast and a professional operation like like the, the Linux and Hamshack. You guys have minions. We don't have any minions. See, the thing is, we give him frequent raises. That's why. We've, we've probably uh, quintupled his salary at least three or four times in the last year, and I'm going to uh, go ahead and uh, quintuple them again right now, as a matter uh, of fact. Right now. Yeah, now, right aren't now. Aren't you just rewarding poor performance, though, if you do that? Um, you've got the show notes out yet. You know. No, that's true, but maybe it'll be an incentive. Maybe it's the incentive uh, that he uh, needs. That could work. That could work. Carrot and stick. That's the deal. Yep. Yep. Well, I'm, I try to be magnanimous wherever possible. I'll uh, go look that up just a minute. I don't know what that <laughs> uh, let's see. Bill says he's just discovered that episode number 101 was released as of tonight. Well, okay, Bill. <laughs> Get around to it when you nice want job. to. Nice job. Nice job. Yeah. Our, our chief executive minion, to steal a phrase from Going Linux. From is, Going Linux. Is, I thought that was a great phrase. Yeah. He's apparently sleeping on the job. I shouldn't pick on Bill. Bill's a great guy. And, you know, if he didn't do the show notes, that means that I would have to. Well, then you'd be in the situation I'm in. So the show we recorded last night, we haven't got show notes for that yet either. The reason for that? I haven't done them yet. <laughs> so I'm going to yeah. take myself a back and beat myself about the head and shoulders until I do it. Oh, don't feel bad about it. Sometimes things happen, you know. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right. Well, that being said, and now that I've chastised Bill unduly, and he's probably just going to hate me forever and stop doing show notes from now on. Altogether, that's right. You can do your own stinking show notes. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> um, I should probably uh, go down this list that I've decided I should actually create. Well, we already hit number one. That was introducing you. So, uh, hey, I'm I'm well on my way. Well, on the way then, yeah, we're, we're about done here. Well, maybe not. No, I think there's a few more bullet points that, uh, down the list here. Uh, the second one is that the Dayton Hamvention is coming up May 17th through the 19th of this year. We've been pushing that pretty hard because we need some more donations. I think the thermometer says we need about $150 more in donations for uh, Linux in the Hamshack, i.e. me, to show up at Dayton Hamvention again this year. I'd really like to do that, and I'd really like to see everybody there, but if we don't get the donations, ain't going to happen. So that's that's my little spiel. I'm not going to harp on donations. Everybody knows where the button is. Okay, the next thing on the list is the Woof Hong podcast. Uh, this is done by Tracy, N5UNX, and Joel, W3RAZ. I mentioned it a couple of episodes back, and uh, they were going to go ahead and start putting out episodes. They finally released their first one. Uh, came out a few days ago, and they, uh, as I mentioned, are members of the Black Sparrow Media Network, which is the network that Richard and I, or Richard started, and that I continue to run, and LHS is part of that as well, and several other podcasts. You can find uh, information about that network over at blacksparrowmedia.net. Uh, there's an aggregated feed over there. You can just plug into your feed reader and you will download every episode of every program that is a member of the network. 
So I don't know how many people are even aware that that exists, but if you want to get Linux in the Ham Shack and Woof Hong and Richard's uh, replays of the Resonant Frequency podcast, along with Waveguides, the Tech and Loathing podcast, and also Cafe Ninja's Tinfoil Hat Show, uh, those are all members of the Black Sparrow Media Network. You get them all as they come out when they're released, and uh, everyone's happy. Or you can subscribe to them all individually if you so desire. But you can get them all in one place. So uh, which way do you subscribe to our show, Rob? Um, I get it on um, on my Android tablet. And so I'm subscribing directly to your RSS feed, I think, through... Uh, what's, I can't remember the name of the program I'm using on, on Android to do that. Um, I use BeyondPod. Do you use that as well? Maybe that's the Beyond one? BeyondPod. That's the one. Yeah, yes, yeah. I actually uh, signed up. For, I used it for a little while um, in the uh, uh, the crack cocaine mode, where they give you everything, and then after six days they take it all away. And so then I used it without the the without that stuff for a little while, and then decided, yeah, okay, this really actually does work. And so they've just pushed a refresh out uh, that really is very good. I'm I'm very impressed with what they've done just in the the most recent push of it. So I'm liking it. Yeah, it's excellent. Beyond pod is definitely one of the best podcatchers I've seen for any platform really. And the fact that it runs on your Android device makes it that much better, I guess. Oh yeah. Because I just, I've got it set up to sync at midnight. And so midnight every night, it downloads kind of everything that's new stuffs it all in a, uh, a playlist for me, all the new stuff. And then, I just grab the thing, throw it in the front seat of the car, plug it into the, the radio, and we're good to go for my commute. So, And, of course, you listen to us first, right? Of course, yeah. As soon as it comes out, it pops right at the top of the list, and sometimes it even knocks off whatever it was I was listening to. It'll, it'll say, you can get that later. Oh, that's excellent. We just love guests who are also ass kissers. So, oh, yeah. 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 I, I suck up with the best of them. I get a doctorate in sucking up. Excellent. Okay, yeah. moving on. <laughs> Oh, by the way, if you want to subscribe to Wufong individually outside of the Black Sparrow Media Network, you can just go to WufongPodcast.com. That's Whiskey Oscar Uniform Foxtrot Foxtrot Hotel Oscar November Golf Podcast.com. So how many ham fests are there around the country? This is the ham noob asking questions now. <laughs> Derailing your whole podcast, right? You didn't want to go in this direction, but no, like, they have them in Houston. Oh, uh, yes, they have them in Houston. And I, I think, uh, you might say that the number of podcasts around the country and around the globe are almost innumerable. But I mean, there, there are some major ones, of course, but I'd be willing to bet there's at least one or two in the Houston area. Um, I couldn't tell you what they are off the top of my head, but I guarantee you there's one down there. Houston's there's a very large around the area. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very large metropolitan area. So I guarantee you there's at least a couple. Cool. Yeah, you should check one out. You should check out a Linux Fest while you're at it, because I think the uh, Texas Linux Fest has moved to Austin, so they're not very moved far back from to Austin. Yeah, I'm planning to go actually. Yeah. So uh, actually, didn't didn't they move down to San Antonio or something? Or were they were in San Antonio last year, and I didn't get to go because uh, it ended up being on a weekend when we were going back home to Canada to visit family. Another one of those family things. Um, so I didn't have, end up going and they, I just saw the call for papers come out on this one. And so I think Scott and I are going to present, uh, 
I'm going to try and put together a paper and put it in. See if I don't know how many papers they get. We may they may say, oh no, what you do is pretty obvious, so we don't want to talk to you. But uh, if not, we, I may present something down there. Well, I don't know what your topic is, but I did make a comment about previous Texas Linux fests, and their topics tend to be a little more uh, cerebral, say, than some of the other ham fests around. So if you're if you're doing a very basic topic, they may not want it. You know, uh, that could be. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure. I can't speak for Texas Linux Fest. It's not like I'm on the board or anything. I'll, I'll, you know, these I've done these things before through work and stuff. Um, and all you can do is you put the thing in and you say, okay, well, you know, this is what I what I'm going to do, and they'll either say sure or nope, and I'm going to go anyway. That's not going to going to change it. So. Uh, if you're looking at the chat room at all, they're bombarding you with uh, information on where to find ham fest in your area, and apparently there's oh. even something called the Houston Ham Fest. So oh, uh, coming up March 23rd. Yeah. So oh, look at that. Yeah. Well, this Google thing is an amazing thing. You know, you type stuff like that in, and boom, up it comes. It's almost as good as having a chat room. Almost. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've got one more thing here before we hit our first break, and that is. You know, we, we try and hit folks up for donations every, you know, every once in a while, especially around Hamvention time, because that's sort of our big, you know, thing where we get out into the community and, and visit with all of our listeners and our peers and whatnot. But I would like to mention that on the right hand side of the webpage at lhspodcast.info, there is a Google AdWords sponsored link column. And you'll notice that whenever you go to our website, there'll be some ads there. And they may or may not be relevant to you. Google says they are supposed to be, but they may or may not be. Regardless of whether they are, if you spend a few milliseconds going over to that site, like just before you leave and go to some other site, and click through those ads, we get a few cents every time you click through. Which means that if everybody did that, we get a fairly significant cut from these things. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost us anything. And every once in a while, Google will cut us a check for a hundred bucks. So I would recommend that if you don't have a dollar to give us by giving us an actual donation, at least if you surf to the web page and go down and click through those ads on the right hand side, you'll be donating and it doesn't cost you a dime. So, uh, Rob, go over there and click on one. I'm, I'm heading there now. That's, that's what I was doing. I, I was, I, I was going to buy something. What were you saying about these ads now? <laughs> <laughs> Well, for all the, yeah, I should point out that, uh, Harrison in the chat room says he has an ad blocker, so he's useless to yes. us. But for those well, of us, so those, I got an ad blocker and a script, uh, like a JavaScript blocker. Does that mean I can't see them? I wonder what ads you were talking about. There's no ads there. Yeah, probably. Okay. So for all you jerks who have ad blockers, forget what I said, but for everybody else, you know, go ahead and click through those ads. Uh, so what you're saying, Russ, is if you've got an ad blocker, they should just kind of up and send you 50 bucks. Just because. Yeah, that's right. And, and Harrison points out some, Harrison points out that he has donated and he has donated more than once. So I don't want to overlook that fact. But he does have an ad blocker. That's true. So he true. should donate he once just for that. Yep, exactly. You know, so his other donations were just because now he needs to pay for his ad blocker. <laughs> that's right. Oh, so somebody's got ad block disabled for you. Oh, that's, that's nice. Yeah. Well, oh, excellent. That. Wow. I feel special now. And that's KE5WMA, by the way, who said that he, uh, disables it just for, well, I don't know, just for us, but at least for us. So that's at excellent. least for us. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right, so I'm going to go into the first break. I've got some new music that I'm going to play, and both of the selections tonight are really on the harder end of things. So if this is not your kind of music, if you're not into the metal, goth, death, you know, uh, industrial kind of thing, 
Uh, this is where you should tune out or tune down or go get a coffee or take a whiz or whatever it is that you do uh, when you're trying to ignore the music I play. And so, so I'm going to take my, my earphones out. Can you flash the lights or something when you're done? Uh, I'll do what I can. <laughs> you should probably keep it somewhere where you can kind of hear when it's over. Well, when they stop vibrating on the desk, I'll pick them up again. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, this first one is by a group that I've played before. They're called Mad Mav. He's a purely digital group, a single guy who does everything uh, by computer on a, D, a DAW from Germany. Uh, he puts out some great industrial and metal music. And uh, this particular track is called Insanity. I think it lasts about four and a half minutes or so. So uh, I guess we'll see everybody uh, for the second segment after this thing is over.
Yeah, Mad Mav with insanity. People in the chat room seem to think maybe I was going a little overboard with my heavy metal type music, but a lot of people seem to like that one. Yeah, uh, that was nice, actually. I was surprised. I, I was expecting something eardrum shattering. That was actually very nice music. I liked it. Yeah, Mad Mav has got some great sort of symphonic metal. Um, it, it's kind of yeah. a new thing that's coming around these days, that, that sort of genre. And uh, I think they're one, or I should say he, is uh, one of the best at it. And just wait till we get to the next break, because that is is a piece of music that I just found today, and it's uh it's pretty incredible but we'll get to that so the first thing i've got in our second segment where our main topics usually hang out is i subscribe to a blog from ham radio operator his call sign is k-e-h-p and uh his website is kilo echo eight papa dot us and he does a lot of cool stuff with ham radio and with linux and open source sort of all the things that we do here that we all really enjoy. And one of the things he's done recently, one of the projects he's taken on, is using a Raspberry Pi with some very basic uh, circuit boards and a few you know, limited solder connections and turned his Raspberry Pi into a web-enabled temperature sensor. And he's got all of this outlined on his blog, uh, if you go to keap.us and look back a few, no, actually it looks like it's, uh, the latest entry on his blog, which was posted on February 27th. He's basically got one of those circuit boards that basically you can push the wires into with a small plastic encased temperature sensor, uh, connected to a GPIO cable, uh, which is then connected to his Raspberry Pi. Let's see, I'm looking at this to see if it says what operating system is actually running on this. Some version of Linux, I'm not sure the article says. Uh, he's using a web server built on Node.js, which is a JavaScript-based uh, web server. And there was some code I think he found. Anyway, I don't want to go into the whole details about what he did, but if you're interested in you know, a cool thing you might be able to do with a Raspberry Pi, if you've got one laying around kind of like I do, this might be something worth checking out. Plus, if you look through his back catalog of posts, uh, he does a lot of cool things with a lot of cool hardware. So I recommend going to uh, kehp.us and checking that out. It looks like Raspbian that he's running. Uh, it probably is. That's a that's the distribution that I run on my Raspberry Pi that I'm using for yeah. SVX Link, uh, which is an, an Echo Link client, which. You probably don't know anything about uh, not being a ham radio yep. operator, um, but, but uh, just the he's got a putty so he's a Windows user because he's got a putty screen open that or the graph is of a putty screen from Windows and he's he's into his Pi and the the command prompt on the Pi looks just exactly like what you get if you put Raspbian in there. Yes, so well we're we're all Raspbian. Windows users every now and again, you know. Sometimes you have to. Indeed you do. Indeed you do. Because you use Windows at work, do you not? I mean, that's pretty much I do. the basis yeah. of your work. Yeah, I use Windows at home as well. I've got a, in fact, the biggest machine I've got is running Windows right now. Um, my new box that I use for gaming, because I haven't, haven't yet shrunk down the Windows partition and, and put a, I'm going to put a, uh, a steamable Linux on this because I want to be able to run some of the Steam games on this guy too, so. 
Yeah, so I'm they use a, Windows as well. Yeah, I'm not a big gamer, so I haven't been all that interested in the Steam thing. But I have been interested in sort of the politics of Steam, where Indeed. the you know the installation engine for some of the best games that are out there. You know, for those of us, for those of you, I should say, who are gamers, has been ported over to Linux, so now we can run all of those cool games if you happen to be of that, you know, inclination. Uh, so that's very cool, and I hope it's sort of a gateway drug for other developers to, to come over to Linux as well. Yeah, I think so. It, it's, it is an interesting uh, um, political problem because there's people that are just up in arms because Steam's a commercial enterprise, of course. So, you know, what are they doing in the open source? They're just going to pollute the Linux space. Oh, I think but it's got to be good for it. Those are the people who don't understand the free software space because free software doesn't mean you can't have commercial software as well. That's one thing that a lot of people get confused, I think. Yep, I think you're right. All right, well, let's not get into a whole discussion of commercial software on Linux because it's out there and it exists, and Steam is a good example of it, and I think it's a, it's actually a trend in the right direction because maybe someday it'll mean that when you want to use, say, Photoshop, on your Linux distribution, that might actually be possible. Now, I know there's, um, what's that new software, Light, Light Scribe, Light Saber? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Probably not Light Saber. Well, I think I hear George, New uh, George Lucas knocking on my door right now. That's uh, right. Yeah, there's royalties due. Sorry, yeah, you can't say that. No, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I take it back. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> there's, there's a software package that's supposed to be doing what Whatever I just said, Photoshop, whatever Photoshop does for uh, for Linux, it's, it's out there. I just can't remember. Scott has been talking about that, yeah. I can't remember what the name is either. Yeah, so, somebody in the chat room will remind me, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, a couple episodes back, maybe three episodes back now, I mentioned that I got an email from KK4ATD. I think that's the right. I can't even read my own damn notes. You have notes? Well, yeah, you're looking at them, cool. too. Oh, those notes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those. Is it KK4ATD? Yes, it is, KK4ATD. Roy, he has developed CentOS packages for Linux, and he has rolled them into his own distribution called Hamux, H-A-M-U-X, which is a CentOS 6 64-bit derivative, which runs a whole bunch of Linux applications. And he's created a live CD downloadable as an ISO, uh, it's 698 megs in size. You can burn it onto a CD or onto a thumb drive, or uh, if you have a virtual machine environment, you can just uh, load the ISO directly. And then you can try out this CentOS-based... Holy crap, hang on a second. All right, sorry, I thought something was going on here. Anyway. Nothing going on here. This is not the <laughs> podcast you're looking for. Uh, George Lucas is coming for you now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, um, if you want to try out hammocks, which I wanted to do before the show, but I think he's hosting the files on his own PC at home because the download was taken for freaking ever. This is a <laughs> 700 megabyte download and I had like four hours to go on it. <laughs> wow. So I'm not sure where these files are hosted. Well, it actually says they're hosted at iBiblio which last time I checked, iBiblio was really fast. Yeah. But it wasn't working for me. But anyway, uh, if you go to, let's see. So it's distro iBiblio.org slash hammocks. Hammocks. That's right. 
So if you go to that website, there's a link to the release candidate for uh, the CentOS 6-based ham radio distribution. You can download it. It runs as a live CD. Give that a shot. See if you like it. Now, I will remind everybody that Debian-based distributions like Debian and Ubuntu and Mint and all that kind of stuff have all of these applications in their repositories by default. But if you happen to be of the Red Hat CentOS kind of, you know, a person who likes those things as opposed to the Debian-based varieties, this may be a direction for you to try. Now, everybody over here, including Rob, we're we're sort of on the Debian side of things, so I don't know that we yep. care about this that much. But well, how come these aren't in the Red Hat repositories? I don't know. There's there's That's some really odd. There's an indication on the wiki for Fedora that some packaging of ham radio applications has been done for Fedora, but I'm not sure that any of that stuff, if it exists in Fedora, has been rolled into RHEL or CentOS or Scientific Linux or any of the things that are sort of based on it. So not sure why. Interesting. Yeah. So just stick with Debian. Hey, what can we say? Yeah, run Mint. I, you know. No, Go for it, man. if you recall last night, I took Mint out to the backyard, shot it in the head, and left it in a shallow grave. Yeah, the police are on their way. Nah, That's just nasty. <clears throat> I talked to them last night. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they gave you 50 bucks a, a disc for it. <laughs> for all the yeah. Mint you can shoot. I'm trying to read the chat room, think of funny things to say, and look at all this crap I got going on my screen all at the same time. And you know what? That's not working out. I try to think and nothing happens. Yeah. All right. So what were we talking about? Hammocks. Yeah. Try hammocks. Anyway. Yeah, ma- looks cool. <laughs> yeah. Rob says it's cool. Go try it. Yeah, there you go. And Rob knows nothing about it, so you should listen to him. That's right. Absolutely. I have nothing invested in the answer or the <laughs> question. What was the question? Uh, there was no question. 47. No, uh, 42. Four- sorry. Yeah, that's right. 42. I always get that wrong. I found out some interesting things about Douglas Adams the other day, and it's uh, sort of outside the scope of this show so anyway yeah. uh <laughs> <laughs> did you know he named a pink floyd album yes i did know that actually i, I probably read the same thing because the uh the google picture was was a uh a douglas adams thing and i think i read it in there yeah he was he was an interesting guy much more than just a writer he was a very odd sort of duck into a lot of strange things purple uh, harem he was was a big uh, friend and knew knew those guys. And. Yeah, and apparently a huge friend of David Gilmore as well. So that's why he was sort of uh, on the in with uh, Pink Floyd, or at least a later incarnation of Pink Floyd anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, very interesting soul. Uh, too bad he's gone so soon. Uh, and you know what? It's amazing that Richard's not even here, and I can derail his show. I can send it straight into the friggin' dirt, no problem. You know, I'm, I'm really impressed. You're really very good at that. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's amazing, yeah. huh? It, it's a miracle. Yep. <laughs> okay, so what I what my pa- main topic was going to be was slow scan television. Uh, I was going to talk a little about a Linux application for slow scan TV called QSS TV. This is a topic we've mentioned on the show in the past, but we haven't really delved into the depths of QSS TV as a Linux application. We've just sort of said, well, if you want to try slow scan TV, use QSS TV. Um, there's MMSS TV for Windows and probably several other applications that do this as well. But we're going to talk about QSS TV. So, Rob, do you have any idea what slow scan TV is? Well, I have heard the term before, but I have to say no. 
if I was being honest. Now, I could start making stuff up if that would help the show, but uh, no, I don't really know anything about it. Well, that would be great, actually. I want to hear a 30-second synopsis of, of Slow Scan TV from a person who knows absolutely nothing about it. This should be very entertaining. Uh, I'm working just a minute. Google slow tonight. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't, <laughs> don't bother with actual information. Hell, you don't need that. Just tell us what you think slow scan TV is. Yeah. So I'm reading in the chat, kind of like watching grass grow. So, um, I'm guessing that the bandwidth that normal broadcast television uses to send that video signal, um, is considerably above the typical bandwidth for an audio, um, ham rig. And so slow scan TV is an attempt to send that video stream over a, an audio channel. How's that? Well, actually not too far off considering you have no idea what you're talking about. So really, I don't most of those <laughs> words. I don't even know what they mean. <laughs> no, that's great. It turns <laughs> out that as far as um, amateur radio is concerned, if you're in the higher bands, if you're in the upper spectrum, UHF area, 400 megahertz, uh, and so on, you can actually send what is called fast scan TV, which would be the sort of a rough equivalent of standard definition broadcast television. It is possible on amateur radio, and some people do it. But on the lower frequencies in HF, where bandwidth is less available, uh, spread spectrum is not really an option, and sort of your overall bandwidth limitations come from the width of the actual spectrum that you're allowed to broadcast on, you can't get that much data into a television signal. So what they've developed is slow scan TV, which really isn't TV. It's sort of broadcasting images frame by frame at a slow rate. So it's essentially sending pictures or frames via high frequency. Um, a lot of these are in the sort of 20 meter band 14 megahertz something like that and it's more for sending like qsls or pictures of your dog or uh, maybe an interesting picture of you or a landscape or something like that it's more about sending photos or uh, single frames than it is about like motion video and a lot of people who are into ham radio like to do video transmission and sort of like slow scan tv and one of the applications you can use for that is Linux compatible and it's QSS TV. So I've actually downloaded and installed with an apt-get install QSS TV, a copy of this application. And we're going to take a quick look at it here. Now, Rob, you could probably do that too if you wanted. Hmm. Is it going to break my computer? No, it will not break your computer. But while you're doing that, I'll go ahead and talk about it a little bit. One thing about QSS TV is that it's compatible with the ham libraries, HamLib2. If you install QSS TV, it will install the ham libraries. And that's because it works well if you integrate rig control with the application because you want to be able to tune to your proper frequencies using the software if you have QSS TV running. Uh, the first thing you should probably do when you fire up QSS TV is go to the options panel and select configuration. And in there, there are several tabs. The first tab is personal settings. You'll want to set your local details when you, uh, before you actually start broadcasting or receiving SSTV signals. 
Uh, you'll set your call sign, your first and last name, your QTH, uh, which for Rob is your home location, and your grid square or your locator. Now, if Rob wants to bother looking up grid squares, he can do that, but I'm not going to get into that now. If you're a ham radio operator, you know what a grid square is. Yeah, don't know what that is. <laughs> I got options here. Oh, have you got it installed? Yeah, it, ins- it didn't pull anything else in. It just it installed itself, and that's it. Oh, okay. Well, if you've got it fired up and you uh, take a look at the options drop down, then go to configuration. Woo, I lost it. Uh, you'll see your personal settings, which I just talked about, right? Well, so I got general thumbnails, interfaces, CW, banners, repeater, FTP, and fax. Oh, you have a different version than I have. I'm not sure what version that's, I have. That's what it's going to look at. Oops, that's QT. Uh, See, I have version 717. Ah, interesting. So I have 5.3C. Wow, you have an old one. Yeah, so that that's coming out of the um, Ubuntu. Uh, well, I'm on Mint 13, so the last LTS of Ubuntu. So that's probably the last. It must, yeah, it must have been refreshed since then. Hmm. Well, I'm using this Linux Mint Debian, and uh, I have 717, which according to the QSS TV website is the current version. Yeah, so. this one was November 14th, 2011, so it's quite a bit different. I'm surprised, actually, that it came up with no other software support. Um, like, does it think I've got a rig connected to this? or? Um, not necessarily. The older version may not have had rig control uh, support. It doesn't really matter. Uh, under general, yeah. you have, or at least on my version, you have basically a set of directories uh, yep. wherein you would put your received images, the images you want to transmit, templates, which I'll talk about in a second, uh, any audio records, and the doc files. Uh, you can also select the default image format, which on my installation defaulted to PNG, and I just left it there. Yep. Okay, under interfaces, I haven't touched anything there. You select the default input and output audio devices. I believe if you're using pulse audio that that will work just fine. And the RX and TX clock frequencies default to 11025. And unless there's something really screwy with your system, you can probably leave it there. Now, um, do, do you have a cat tab? You don't, right? No. And the interface is the transmit and receive frequencies are set to 8,000. Okay, well, that's that's the same as, like, an audio frequency, um, an audio yeah. hertz rate. Okay. Yeah. Um, so on mine, it's set to a little higher. Yours is set to a little lower. And you don't have the CAT tab, which is why it didn't require the ham libraries, because CAT is where your rig control would be. Okay. In my version uh, 7.1, the CAT tab allows you to select the parameters that you need for connecting to your ham radio. Uh, the baud rates, the serial port, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, people who are familiar with the ham library will know what to set there. Uh, CW tab, does yours have that? Yep, I got a CW tab. Okay, well, 800 is the tone. That's the hertz of the frequency of the CW tone. Uh, the words per minute is the speed at which it will send Morse code. And the text, of course, is whatever text you want it to send. Um, repeater mode is where you can take pictures that come into your QSS TV setup, download them to your machine, and then they're automatically rebroadcast to anyone else who can hear you. So you can enable, uh, repeater mode 
and and so on and so forth and you can uh you can rebroadcast people's images ftp i haven't actually figured out if that's ftp for taking downloaded downloaded images and storing them on an ftp site or taking uh images from an ftp server and broadcasting them i haven't figured that out yet maybe i can get to that by next episode i have a camera tab do you have that no i have a fax tab though Okay, the fax tab is for um, fax mode. You can actually send faxes via amateur radio. Mine doesn't have that. It does faxes a different way. But mine also has a camera mode where it'll actually take camera snapshots and send those as video as well. Uh, You can select the device, the color mode, uh, the overall image size, and, and all of those variables in there. Now, let's see. Sound control, of course, under the options tab. Just gives you the ability to set where the audio that you're receiving from your rig is handled. In other words, if you want to send it out to your speakers so you can hear it, or if you want to send it to a file, I believe as a WAV file, you can do that as well. Calibration uh, apparently calibrates the software, but it doesn't look like it's doing a whole lot for me. Okay, outside outside of the uh, the options tab, you uh, well, I have three tabs: receive, transmit, and gallery. So when it fired up, it opened up two windows. Okay, uh, so it op- opened up a uh, receive window and a and a transmit window, and then it opened a third one called a thumbnails window. So okay. it just popped those all up by them by himself. Well, that's interesting. I can't really speak to that. Um, what's interesting though for me is that. As I'm talking right now, my audio, the audio of my speech is being pumped through QSS TV and it's trying to decode my speaking yeah. as a, as an image. It's not so being what real. What do you look like? Uh, it's not being real talk. successful at it. It looks like a bunch of, uh, sort of white noise on a TV that's not tuned to a station. <laughs> that's what happens when I think too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's probably an accurate representation of what's going on right now. <laughs> It's distilling the essence of what you're saying. That's exactly right. So normally, if you um, receive a an actual signal that has a proper SSTV header, SSTV body, and so on, you, it will actually receive the image into a local file, and it will store it where you've configured your file to go. In the transmit window, oh, there's a couple of options here, too. One of them uh, is use VIS. And that is, you click that button if you want to have a an image come in with a valid VIS code, which I don't know what that is, but apparently it's something specific to slow scan TV. Uh, in order to properly receive an image, if you check that box, it has to have a VIS code uh, at the start or it won't receive. There's another one that says auto adjust slant and that's because um, QSS TV or SS TV rather is time dependent. And if there's any clock skew between the sending station and the receiving station, your picture will actually come in diagonally. If you check auto adjust slant, it will try to compensate for any clock skew so that your picture actually comes in and looks normal, which is good. And then of course there's the auto save button, which on my, which on my setting is checked by default, which is every time it gets a proper header, proper body, proper end to a SSTV frame, it will save it to the gallery automatically. 
And then, of course, if you have repeater mode uh, available, you know, it will cycle through your gallery as things are received and rebroadcast them. Now, in transmit mode, you can obviously set the values that you need to set for the type of SSTV encoding you want to do. You can set um, X, Y, and Z access values. You can see the transmit process or progress of the actual image as it goes out onto the airwaves. You can also use a template. Now, templates I said I would talk about a little bit, and what they are is basically an overlay onto the image. You can create images, or you, you can have an image upon which you place a template, and the template has, like, text substitutions, where you can have your call sign, your station QTH, signal report, and a whole bunch of different data substituted as text substitutions, which will overlay your basic image and then will be sent out as an aggregate. So the person who received it will see the image you send plus the text substituted template laid on top of it. So you can have a QST card that shows your home location and a signal report or something like that. You can create multiple templates, uh, which do that. And QSSTV happens to have a template editor. I don't know if your version has a template editor, Rob, but mine does. <clears throat> oh, it sounds like that's something that they must have added after this uh, version 5 because it's all kind of completely missing. I can see where um, you can do some of that stuff with this version, but the, the newer version looks like it's a lot more capable. Yeah, so I would definitely recommend using the newer version. And, of course, uh, the newer version also has the ability to use your local camera to capture an image and then if you want to uh, apply a template to it, you can do that as well and then go ahead and send it out. And then I also have a galaxy or a gallery tab in which you can select your templates that you've created. So you can see what the template overlays look like. You can see what images are in your transmit directory that you will be sending out uh, as thumbnails. And you can also see all of the images as thumbnails that you've received into your system as you've been on a frequency listening for SSTV transmissions. So I believe that's actually the long and short of QSSTV. I'd really like to get on the air and try this thing, but of course I installed it on a machine that's not connected to a radio. So I'm going to have to remedy that after the show. What do you think? Is this, as somebody who doesn't do ham radio right now, is this something that might interest you as a, as a radio operator if you decided to go that way? So the interesting thing is I've been been skulking about on the interweb as you were, were talking and found the Wikipedia article on slow scan television, which is really very informative. You know, I, I'm getting about 20% of what they're talking about, but it's they go and show the, the history of it. Um, and the inter- one of the interesting things is this is how all the moon pictures came back, was all on slow scan TV. That's that's when you know the early ones anyway. Um, they, they sent them all back over radio, and they talk a lot in in the article. They go into a lot of technical detail about the way that the thing works. And that VIS, by the way, is is the digital vertical interval signaling code. Um, and it apparently there's a bunch of different encoding that you can do on these images and the transmit side of QS. STV, you select um, 
which uh, which code you which VIS code or which uh, vertical interval signaling code you, you're going to be using, and you have to decode them. You decode it appropriately, I guess. So um, anyway, so would this get me into to amateur radio? Eh, probably not. You know, I'm just gonna gonna attach the picture to an email and send it that way. Oh, but that's hardly any fun. True. True. Where, you know, where's the where's the enterprising nature? Where's the challenge in in so attaching? Why would a anybody want to do this? Why would anybody want to do that? Because it's fun. Just because, because it's possible to do. Uh, like, sure. It, there's got to be some practical use for it, right? You, well, there. Like if the internet goes down, or well, well, certainly. I mean, ham radio has its its basic practicality lies in the fact that cell networks and the internet can go down at any time based on you know, power issues where uh, ham radio operators can continue to function in uh, all kinds of uh, power-limited situations. Now, whether you so want the, to be sending whole- photos of your family during those power outages is debatable, I suppose. But, I mean, you know, not everything about ham radio has to be practical. True, right. Um, but it does have a practical side to it. And, you know, in, in the absence of a high-bandwidth connection, you know, certainly being able to send images... Um, in in a relatively low power, low um, low technology level required kind of way, um, you know, it's a good thing to be able to do. I'm glad somebody knows how to do this. Absolutely. So presumably, you got to have a computer connected to your rig in order to do it, though. That's correct. You have to have a sound card interface of some kind, and there are many of them out there. Um, we've talked about them previously on the show, and. If you want some, you know, information personally, Rob, I can certainly give that to you afterwards. But, uh, um, yeah, some usually low cost, um, audio interface devices basically that allow you to connect your sound card to a radio and allow you to key up that radio in order to transmit data exist. And you would need that kind of an interface in order to use SSTV. But other than that, you just need a computer and a radio. Cool. That is neat. All right. So, um, I asked you to uh, go ahead and uh, pick a topic, and it looks like you have... Oh, by the way, that's sort of the end of SSTV for now. Uh, that's probably as in-depth as we really want to go for, for any one episode. Plus, there's a whole lot of crap more to do, and I think we're going long here. Uh, yeah. This happened last time, too, man. <laughs> it always does. <laughs> so um, I asked you to, uh, to pick a topic of your own, and um, let's go ahead and... Um, I'll go ahead and let you ask your question here. All right. And uh, we'll see how that goes. So I tossed it out into the chat as well, and I have to scroll back. They've gone off talking about something else uh, while we were rambling on here. But uh, so my question was, um, I have looked a couple of times in in the past at getting an amateur license, um, not seriously in the last couple of years, but my mom and dad were both uh, radio amateurs, um, lifelong radio amateurs, uh, and so I grew up um, with rigs in the basement and and a big old antenna out in the backyard and and all that kind of deal. And when Dad retired, that's you know they moved and they, that's the first thing they put up with the, was this ginormous tower with wires running all over the place. It was just spectacular. Um, anyway, so this has been part of me growing up, and I, I even had a receiver rig for a little while, a cast off. Uh, that I could never actually get to work right. Um, so, but I'm not a ham. So now, where I live right now, I'm in one of these uh, Texas deed restricted subdivisions where 
you can't put up a TV antenna, for heaven's sakes. You can put a microwave dish up, but that's about it. So I can't put up a big antenna. And I got one of these houses that's got a tech shield roof. I don't know if you guys have heard of, of stuff like that, but it's uh, basically they take all of the roof boards and coat the inside of them with tinfoil. And so the idea is it's a lot cooler. But, of course, um, that also gets kind of gets you out of the game of uh, putting a, an antenna in the attic, which otherwise would work fine. Now, I don't know if I can use the whole roof as an antenna. I'm guessing probably not. Um, I'm guessing also laying something on the roof now because of the the foil that's right under it is going to not work real well. Um, so my question is, what can I do with a ham license given that I can't put a big radio tower in the backyard unless I move? And my wife's probably not going to let me move. So I did a quick Google, right, and, and looked around, just typed in ham radio, no antenna. And turns out, as is commonly the case with my ideas, I'm not the first person to think of this or have this idea. And there's actually a, a website, www.stealthamateur.com, which looks like, um, oh gosh, it, it looks like one of these, you too can lose seven pounds in two weeks by, um, you know, it's just one of these overly in-your-face kind of websites. And I think it's because the guy's advertising his book, right? So you got a, a book that the guy's come out with. Uh, I don't know when it was. Uh, hmm. Anyway, when he when he put it out. So that was one of the ones I found. And then there's also a little more serious one on uh, q4ilo.com uh, called, uh, I'm sorry, Q, G, G4ILO's Shack, Stealth Amateur Radio. Um, and so he's talking about this, the kind of situation I'm in, um, and is describing kind of some of the things you can do, um, with, you know, he's, I heard of some guy that put it inside a flagpole, but I can't even put flagpoles up. So, uh, this sounds, I've always looked at this and thought, well, that kind of lets that hobby out. I'm, I'm not going to be doing that. So I'd be interested in, in what experience, um, you've had with, um, you know, trying to operate in this kind of an environment. And is it, in fact, just not even possible? Um, yeah. So foil built into the roof, indeed. Um, yeah, free Faraday cage. Yeah, I, I tried when we first moved in, I tried to put a TV antenna in the attic, and that was just a joke, you know. So I could put <laughs> it up there, but uh, right. no, it, it, I was better off actually – laying a wire on top of the television that worked better than the antenna in the attic did. So what should I do guys? Well, with HF with high frequency, you tend to have to have larger antennas overall, you know, as a general rule, because the lower the frequency is the longer the wavelength, which means that the antenna has to be physically longer in order to resonate properly. Because it's got to be quarter wavelength or half wavelength or something it like doesn't, that? It doesn't have to be any part of the wavelength. It can be any multiple of the wavelength. It just has to be properly balanced and tuned. Oh, um, okay. Lots of antennas are built in lots of different ways. There are a thousand different kinds of antennas. There's Yaggies. There's, there's Delta Loops. There's Quads. There's... Uh, dipoles. There's, you know, there's, there are so many different ways to create an antenna. And you said, well, I probably can't use my roof as an antenna. And I, and I wanted to say that if you did it properly and you knew enough math, you probably could use your roof as an antenna. 
so, uh, so KT4B John says, if it's metal, a ham will use it. That's right. <laughs> we've, we've talked on this show about people who, like you said, have put antennas inside of flagpoles, who have created antennas out of shower curtain rods, who have created <laughs> antennas out of hangers, who have created antennas out of horse fencing. You name it. If there's a way to create a resonance in some kind of metal and an amateur radio operator has made an antenna out of it. Uh, so, you know, there, there's really nothing you can't do with it, but if you're talking about amateur radio, one of the things that you can do easily, even if you have a homeowners association or, you know, you live in a place that has an insulated metal roof, that kind of thing. If you want to get just on the VHF and UHF frequencies, you can use what's called a J pole which is a small, low-profile antenna. It's usually only about two or three feet long. And all you have to do is hang it out your window, like on an upper floor, so it's not underneath your roof. You plug it into a radio. You connect to a repeater, and in Houston, there's got to be a 1,000 of them. And you just talk away for your, you know, to your local folks there. And then using Echolink or IRLP, which are VoIP-connected repeaters, and I'm sure there are a thousand of those in your area, you can talk around the world using just a small handy talkie connected to a J pole that's hanging outside your second story window. And that's all that's required. So it's kind of one of those things where there's after my dad died, my mom moved into an apartment and couldn't put a rig up. And so she was on echo link quite a bit for a while afterwards. It's kind of one of those things where if there's a will, there's a way. So don't let HOA restrictions or the fact that you think you can't move and you can't have a giant, you know, 20 meter beam antenna on a 60 foot tower outside your house prevent you from getting an amateur radio license. Because I guarantee you, if you want to get on the air, wherever you happen to live, there's a way to do it. So is there a, a particular uh, license that it was ideally suited for the situation, or is there particular uh, hardware that would work better than other hardware in, in an environment like this? Well, as it turns out, in order to use the upper frequencies, the frequencies above 50 megahertz, you need only the technician license, which is the lowest class in the United States, and you have all access to all bands above 50 megahertz. And those are the ones you would be accessing in your particular situation using Echolink, IRLP, or direct uh, FM communication. And those radios happen to also be uh, the cheapest. You can buy a, two, a, a dual or triple-banded handheld uh, to connect to local repeaters for in the neighborhood of $100, maybe even a little less. So wow. you're actually perfectly suited to get into amateur radio uh, based on your configuration. And so then what's the connection with Linux and, and that environment um, in the sense that, so you're not going to be doing long distance stuff, I would guess. No, you um, will be doing long distance as long as you're using Echolink or ILLP, uh, leveraging the power okay. of VOIP over the internet. So then you're going, so I'm going out through the broadband connection in my house to someplace where there is a, a repeater. Uh, or a, entirely it possible. A, it's a rig or? It, it's possible you could do it that way and you wouldn't even need a radio at that point. You just need a license or you can connect to a radio that's 
at somebody else's house that's connected to the internet that goes through the internet and is then connected to a repeater somewhere else in the world, say New Zealand or Croatia or California, whatever. And you can make contacts that way as well. And Linux is leveraged there because IRLP is based on CentOS and Echolink has versions for both Windows and Linux. Uh, there's a, a bunch of people over in, uh, the Nordic countries, Sweden, Norway, and yeah. stuff like that, who write a lot of great software for amateur radio on Linux. Very cool. I had no idea. I, I had pretty much, because I thought about this, uh, like I need another hobby, right? <laughs> but I thought about this a while ago, and and I've, I've got, uh, I went and bought all the books. I got I bought several books, and I was studying up, and I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go get a get my ham license. And I thought, you dummy, what are you going to do with a ham license? You know, you can't. You can talk from one part of the house to the other, maybe, but uh, until I retire and move out of this place, if ever, I can't get out of here. So it's amazing to me that, and even the, in the chat, they were talking about, okay, well, what about running something along a fence? And I thought, yeah, okay, I could actually do that, you know, run a wire along the fence. And uh, I guess then you connect that up and, and you have to then tune that antenna. It has to be a, specific length but nobody's ever going to see that right and depending on the length of your fence you know you may require some antenna tuning most rigs uh depending on how much you spend on them have automatic tuners in them so you can pretty much take a length of wire regardless of how long it is and tune it so it'll, it'll at least work you may not get the best performance out of it but you'll get performance Something. Yeah. So what about, am I going to get into everybody's TV? Or is, I know mom used to have trouble with that all the time. The neighbors would be complaining that she was getting into their TV. And there's a there's a word for, or there's a name for, for that kind of interference, which I can't remember off the top of my head now. Um, uh, you can. It's uh, A lot of times it's called intermod or intermodulation. Q, QR. No, QRM. Uh, oh, maybe that's what it was. QRM. RFI. No, that's. Radio frequency interference. Yeah, QRM you know, is had, a... It was something specific with television that, that they were always worried about, and they'd be doing something with the rig to make sure they weren't getting into the neighbor's TV. Right. QRM is an old Morse code sir, signal for noise. Oh, uh, TVI. That's what it was. Yeah, that's right. TVI. W-A-0-E-I-R. Got it. Right. That's what they used to talk about, TVI. Some frequencies um, in the amateur bands are close to frequencies in the broadcast TV spectrum. They used to be, I should say. Now that everything's gone digital, this is really not an issue anymore. Oh, is that right? So that's, oh, with digital TV. Oh, okay, because it's in a different frequency range? Yeah, it's in a completely different frequency range, and uh, broadcasts on amateur radio are also analog. So... We really don't get the kind of interference you used to get. Um, there were some there were some parts of the broadcast TV spectrum that were very close to parts of the amateur radio broadcast spectrum, um, and you yeah. can easily uh, override your neighbor's TV and create all kinds of noise and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you see it all wigglies on it when the rig wasn't working right. Yeah. Right, stuff like that. But really, not not the issue now that it used to be. Hmm. Some TVs interfere with the hand bands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't let any of these these reservations really hold you back. You should get your license. I guarantee you, you'll find at least three ways to use amateur radio that will excite you, regardless of your housing restrictions. You know, my wife is going to hate you, Russ. <laughs> I, I hope so. Too much time in this in this room messing with computers. Now, if I got a radio in here, and, it, and now I'm going to start running wires in the backyard, she'll love that. <laughs> If she hates me and it winds up with you having a ham ham radio license, I'll take it. So how long does it take me to get a license? To get your tech license, honestly, you'll have to do a minimal of studying because you already know a lot of things about electrical theory and computers and stuff like that. You'll have to learn a few things about, you know, ham radio restrictions, like how much power you're allowed to operate on certain frequencies, what frequencies you're allowed to operate on. But honestly, if you spent... A couple of days really looking over the question pool for the technician test, I guarantee you could pass it no problem. And then, yet, so there's a place you have to go to take that test, or do you take it online? Or No, you'll have to go to a local place that's giving the test, and I guarantee you in the Houston area there are tons of them. Uh, you just go to the org site, look for testing locations. There's probably one given at least once a week down there someplace. Yeah, because there's so many people here. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, you guys might have talked me into it, so so I'll have to to do that before I come on the podcast next time. All right, woo! <laughs> <laughs> but you got to go back to using Linux Mint too. Oh crap! <laughs> I tell you what, if you get your ham ticket and give me your call sign, I will use Linux Mint. Deal. All right, excellent. Okay, I'll do it. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, well, with that, um, we've got a bunch of feedback to hit after the break, so I'm going to hit the break. (laughs) Uh, Hit the break running. So I've got this great song that I just love. It's by a band called Convergence, uh, and this is called Strike the End. And this is probably one of the most funky, uh, syncopated, industrial metal songs I've heard in a long time. It's real original, and uh, I hope everybody likes it. So... Uh, we'll be back in a, in a couple of minutes to talk about some feedback. Take my- 
thought it was me. I'm not sure that went entirely to plan. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. It was just getting warmed up. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we'll call that over. <laughs> All right. Well, that being said, we have some, well, yeah, a whole ton of feedback to deal with. Holy crap. I'm going to have to clear a few things out here, uh, sinuses and maybe some stuff we shouldn't talk about. That's just a little too much information. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Okay. So feedback. We have feedback and we have a ton of it. So I'm going to have to try and get through this pretty quick. <sighs> Take a deep breath. <sighs> okay. So the first thing we have is a comment on the website from Dave, K-E-0-A-Z. That's Kilo Echo Zero Alpha Zulu. We all know that I love to do the phonetics. He says, well, Richard, well, I'll pass this along to Richard. I'm sorry to hear you have to leave the show, but we, dads and husbands, do what we have to do, don't we? Thumbs up and good luck to you. Cute Russ, I'll definitely stay with the show, and I encourage all listeners to do the same. And tell a friend about the show, too. Yes, I highly recommend that. 7-3, David, Kilo Echo Zero, Alpha Zulu. So, uh, thanks, Dave. Uh, appreciate your comments. And yes, please, everybody, tell at least one or two of your friends about the show. We do everything here. We talk about science. We talk about ham radio. We talk about Linux. We talk about philosophy. We talk about badgers. What more could you possibly want? I can't think of anything. See, Rob says there's nothing more we could talk about. I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm amazed that the other podcasts don't just kind of say, well, okay, forget it. We may as well just shut it down. LHS has got it. So how come you haven't shut down Mincast? I'm not that much of a suck-up. I see. I appreciate that. <laughs> a suck-up with honesty. Excellent. That's right, yeah. yeah. Okay. So our next one comes uh, as a website comment from Frank, Kilo 4, Foxtrot, Mike, Hotel, K4FMH. And I believe this is the first comment we've had from Frank. So excellent, Frank. Long-time listener, first-time commenter, right? Excellent. Uh, hi, Russ. Just listened to your 100th. Congratulations. It's a great milestone. Don't know which direction you're headed in regarding the focus of the podcast, but here's a thought. If you take on another co-host, emphasize a bit more of the technical Linux stuff regarding amateur radio. I realize this may seem like a shot at Richard, but it's not. It's just one person's opinion about content. I like humor, banter, etc., e.g. Linux Action Show, etc., but yours is the only podcast out there combining Linux and ham radio. It could do with more technical content. You can give me the Badger if you wish. Okay. Badger. I have done that for you. But it's just a candid recommendation. 7-3 and keep the cast going. Frank. Uh, Kilo 4, Fox Mike Hotel. So uh, what do you think of that, Rob? I mean, do we need? Are, are we not technical enough? You know, Scott and I talk about this all the time, referencing Mintcast, not not talking about you guys. And I think where we've landed is we are who we are. And a podcast is very much a reflection of the personality and the interests of the the hosts. And, you know, when I listen to you guys, you sound pretty technical to me, both on the, the amateur side and on the, the Linux side. Um, but there's a lot of other stuff going on there as well, and that's what makes it interesting to listen to. So um, we get comments like this uh, some as well, where you'll get some people writing in and saying, oh, I love that last uh, podcast episode because you got way down deep in, in talking about ABC or whatever it was. And then you'll get somebody saying, oh, bring back that funny guy again. You know, I'd, 
you can't do this kind of really technical stuff on a podcast. It just doesn't work. So I, th- you know, I think that mixing it up is is seems to be the the best. That's the best what we've found. And we talk about stuff we're interested in, and I that's what I hear also when I listen to to you guys. You talk about stuff you're interested in. Well, we try to do, but we also try to talk about what we think other people are interested in too. Because while we are certainly interested about lots of different things. We also want to try and keep it as topical and interesting for, you know, the rest of our listeners as we possibly can. And, uh, I thought today that, you know, at least to talk about SSTV was, you know, fairly technical. It's like we didn't talk about like, you know, phase keying and, uh, signal shifting and a uh, bunch of stuff that I'm probably making up off the top of my head. But, you know, at least we talked about some software. So point taken. And if, uh, you know, I can get as technical about it as you want. I can I can give you C code for updating the Linux kernel if you really want technical, uh, but I'm not sure that's the direction we really want to go in. But uh, no, and I, actually, I don't think that's what Frank's looking for. I, you know, he's looking. To, it, he sounds to me like the kind of person that is like you guys in the sense that he's an amateur radio person and he's a Linux person, and what he really wants is to bring these two things together and, and use them both. And because he's a hobbyist, he's not just, just using his Linux to check his email. And he's not just using amateur radio to get weather reports or whatever. You know, he's, he's not a CB radio guy. He's serious about both hobbies and wants to hear about the, the synthesis of the two. And I really think that's what you guys cover. Well, I'd that's, like to think we do, and do. maybe we yeah. don't. Go ahead. No, I think, I think you really do. Um, you know, he, he likes the humorous part of it, but, you know, he, he wants the, the technical stuff. And, and of course, from a podcast producer's perspective, the technical stuff is the hardest to do in this podcast format, right? Cause they write textbooks on this stuff. And so you're going to, going to cover in 15 minutes some deep technical topic. It's, it's hard to do. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think that's why we kind of tend to stay away from it a little bit, because honestly, you can be technical, but I believe you always leave it at a point where you're sort of in between. You don't give enough technical information to the people who really want it, and you give too much to the people who don't. So, um, you know, it's a hard thing to balance, but we'll, I, you know, I will certainly going forward try and do as much as I can to uh, appeal to our entire audience. That's all I can do. You'll do anything for money. Is that what you're saying? That's what, well, I'm, I'll do anything for free, I guess. No, 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 yes. don't, no, 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 no. <laughs> what? I don't, I can't believe I said that. Um, anyway, uh, let me, let me move on to the next thing, uh, which is an email we got from Pete, VE2XPL. That's Victor Echo 2 X-Ray Papa Lima. So how are you on your phonetics? In the chat room tonight. What's that? Yeah, he is. Happen, yeah. Happens to be sitting in there. Yeah. That's right. Uh, how are you on your, uh, your phonetics? Are you, are you, do you know them all? Uh, the only ones I know are the ones that were my mom and dad's call signs, actually. <laughs> you need to That's... learn your phonetics because you don't want to sound like a jerk when you're, when you finally get your ticket on, you're on the air. You don't want to call, you don't, you don't want to do what the police do and call it like Mike, Ida, Lisa, you know, right. stuff like that. If you ever listen to a scanner and listen yeah. to the way the police <laughs> And the fire department butchers uh, phonetics. The way, so is there a standard uh, for this, or are there more? Is there more than one standard for phonetics? There is basically one standard phonetic library: Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo, Foxtrot, Golf, Hotel. 
look it up, learn it, and you will be the envy of everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I get from that, I can go suck an egg. No, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking, see here I go thinking and talking again. It never comes out well when I do that. Um, I'm thinking about, uh, listening to my, my parents, uh, on the radio using those phon- phonetics and they were like, they did it like you do. They just kind of rolled out like it was another language. And I'm thinking, how do you remember all that stuff? Well, there's only exactly right. There's only 26 of them. And I think most human beings can remember 26 of something. Yeah, I suppose so. It's uh, just a matter of practicing. Exactly. So, uh, Pete VE2XPL says, hello, gents. Congratulations on your 100th episode. Great job so far. Happy belated birthday, Richard. So sorry to hear you will be on hiatus, but understand life sometimes gets in the way. Hope to hear from you soon. And I've got to say, hopefully I hear from him soon, too. I do have some sound clips here. Let me pick one at random. Yeah, it is that toenail fungus. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Richard, that's for that I insight. Keep coming back. <laughs> uh, I've got a great soundboard full of these things. Would you like me to pick another one at random? I can say sure, here. Yeah. Go ahead and um, give me a number between 1 and 18 inclusive. 12. 12. Okay, I've got to count that high now. <laughs> Let's see. This one is number You're not 12. You're going to take your shoes off. Right? Yeah, that's right. Here's number 12. You don't have to be mentally deficient to do this job, but it sure helps. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've been missing. Yes. Uh, a lot of people have been missing that, and I'm glad I've got these on my soundboard. It is. It is. That That's good. Okay, so uh, thanks very much, Pete. Uh, I appreciate your kudos and your accolades for our 100th episode. Uh, I was sorry to see Richard go, too, but I'm sure he'll jump in here for a cameo appearance one way or another. And I would like to point out that Pete V2XPL is the host of the Wave Guides podcast, which is actually a recording of the Ham Radio South Cars net where they talk about various technical topics uh, on the South Cars Network, and Pete releases them as a podcast, and that is a member of the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. So uh, thank you, Pete, for being a part of our network and uh, for sending in that feedback. I really appreciate it. Let's see. We're almost down to the end here. Getting closer. All right. Let's see. Yeah, we only got a few left. All right. Wow, I can't believe how long this is going. I may have to split this into two episodes. <laughs> Oh, and uh, Pete would like me to point out that um, you can get information on the Waveguides podcast at www.waveguides.ca. These damn Canadians. Jeez. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. I know. They're infiltrating us all over the place. They even live in Houston now. Can you believe that? It's a plot. It's a plot. It is a plot. Uh, Anyway, we also had another comment from Gary, K-E-2-Y-K, Kilo Echo 2 Yankee Kilo. He says, hey, Russ and Harrison, this is referring to the last episode that we did, episode 101. Episode 101 was informative. As a long time and now retired Nix IT systems admin, uh, presumably he means Unix and Linux, I found the GNU Linux discussion interesting for obvious reasons. It seemed to me that Harrison's audio was a bit rough, but I did like his oscilloscope presentation. Lately, a ham friend and I have started experimenting a bit with the Model B Raspberry Pi, as have I, editor's comment, in parens. Uh, the enhanced kit we bought includes everything to fire up the Pi. Next step is to make it headless. Don't know if you'd be interested in my short write-up, 
But if so, it's posted over on one of my blogs. The link to that is http colon stroke stroke bit dot ly stroke one six g e capital y eight d. And I'm not doing that phonetically. It'll be in the show notes. Thanks for blending Richard into the mix during the podcast for us. As expected, number 101 came off without a hitch despite Richard's absence. Hope to catch up with you again soon. Well, thank you very much, Gary. I hope we catch up with you soon. We did mention the link to your site, and I'm running my Raspberry Pi headless uh, as an Echolink node. Lots of people are doing it that way, and I think people might be interested in your blog post. I haven't checked it out myself, but if you're interested in uh, what Gary is doing uh, with his Raspberry Pi as a project, uh, that link will be in the show notes, and you should check it out. Did I, did I hear you like want to jump in there? No. No? no. Okay. You're trying to stay out would, of things. Well, no, I, I was just saying that, yeah, my, my Pi is sitting here right beside me, has been running headless. I was going to fire up SSH to find out how long it's been up, but it's been like a month and a half or something. It's been sitting here. It just sits and runs. It's in its little Lego box and works great headless. Oh, uh, you built your box out of Lego? Of course, yeah. Did you have the Legos or did you have to purchase them in order to build your case? No, I have grandkids, so I have a ginormous box of Legos that they use. So I went and scavenged a bunch of parts. Yeah, so. see, my my mother is Swedish, and when I grew up, we had Legos like by the ton. Mm, yeah. um, we had we had many painful foot injuries as well. <laughs> I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if we. Uh, I'm not sure if my parents have held on to those or not. But if they have, they're probably worth a fortune. Gary did mention Harrison in that, and Harrison has commented in the Etherpad because I wouldn't let him on the show tonight. Uh, so he said, uh, hi, Gary, thanks for the support of my segment. I wasn't sure just how it would turn out. I'm not sure if Russ would uh, let me do another, but if he would permit me, I'd be happy to provide one. 73 Harrison V to HKW. And Harrison, no, you'll never be on the show again. J- just want to make that clear now. So does that mean he doesn't get Richard's job? No, you heard episode 100, right? Where we was trying to snake oh, did, it out from. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Corpse and wasn't even cool yet. I know he was. He was barely in the ground, and uh, <laughs> his job was being snaked. And I, I'm not sure we can abide that kind of behavior. See what happens when Canadians get any kind of leverage. You know, uppity. They, they get uppity. That, that's right. They, they absolutely get, get uppity. Yep. Um, and Harrison, we're totally just kidding. So uh, yeah. I guarantee you, you'll be on the show sometime in the future. No, don't worry about that. All right, we got a couple more to go here. Uh, one is from Brian. Uh, this is another website comment from Whiskey Bravo 4 Echo Sierra. And he says, thanks for the heads up on the JT65 screencast in the members-only area. I don't have time to check it out at this moment, but I'll get to that later. I've been trying to get into that mode for a while, but haven't been able to get far. And the folks on the JT65 HF mailing list seem to be hung up on time synchronization, which I've ruled out several times. Now, he didn't give us any specific information, Brian didn't, about the problems he's having with JT65, but I hope that Richard's screencast uh, will help him out. JT65 seems to be a pretty easy-to-use, slow-speed mode uh, for doing contacts. Uh, This is one of those things where you use very low power to send messages over a long distance, and it can usually take six or seven minutes to complete even a small conversation using JT65 mode, which is essentially a digital communication mode. But you can 
you can do this over thousands of miles using milliwatts of power, which which makes it a very popular and powerful mode. So um, I do hope the screencast helps you out there. And see, this is another thing you can do, Rob, when you get your license. You can do these very low power or what are called QRP modes where you can talk to, you know, Venezuela on 10 milliwatts. You know, that's that's the kind of thing that's so cool about ham radio. And so that you got to have an antenna up in the air to do that, right? Or can you use these ground-based antennas? Uh, it all depends on what you're trying to do and what mode you're trying to transmit on and what frequencies. There's also portable and mobile operations where you don't necessarily do this from your house. And these low-power modes, you can actually transmit, you know, 10 or 20 milliwatts using a 9-volt battery and a hand, wow. and a, you know, a hand-built transceiver. So this is stuff you can, like, throw in your backpack or lay on the seat of your car, drive up to a high place, pull out your $20 worth of equipment, and make contacts all over the world. So you really shouldn't rule any of this stuff out. So I can stick, I can connect that up to my Pi somehow, I bet. Oh, I bet you can. That sounds like a lot of fun. So I, I do we have you convinced? Almost? Maybe? Oh, yeah. Close? Oh, I'm hooked. All I'm, right. Excellent. I'm a, I'm a geeky, uh, a gadget geek from forever. So <laughs> I don't need much of an excuse to go gadget, gadget hunting. All right. Um, we did have some more feedback via Facebook, but honestly, this is on the Facebook page and we've gone so long now that I'm not even going to talk about it here. If you want to see this conversation over on Facebook, just go to the Linux and the Hamshack page. And you'll see it there that, I mean, I just don't see the point in, in, in going on with this episode anymore because I'm tired. Rob probably needs to get to bed. You know, we've just gone too damn long as it is. So I think we're done here. What do you think? I think we've gone just exactly the right length of time. Everything that needed to be said has been said. Nothing that didn't need to be said got said. And so we're finished. I will give you a gold star and place it directly on your forehead because you're such a kiss ass. <laughs> uh excellent all right so is there anything you want to say by way of uh extroduction uh before i go ahead and start the music and get us on out of here well i can see i got my work cut out for me i'm gonna have to dig up my and i gotta do something to salvage mint in the the ham shop yeah that's right you've got to get that being book. here thank you for for having me on russ i've really enjoyed it very much uh, it's been a pleasure to have you as well. If you're interested in listening to more of Rob and Scott over at the Mintcast, they put on a great show. I recommend everybody do it. Go to mintcast.org, download their, their podcast from the RSS feed. And if nothing else, you'll hear me there every once in a while. So, uh, uh, it's definitely worth it. And with that, I think I'm going to start the outro music and kind of get us on out of here. Awesome. All right. Oh, there's some music in the background, which means... Coming, coming. Wait for it. Yeah, it's there. Wait for it. Coming. <laughs> All right. This has been Russ, K5TUX, along with Rob from the Mintcast. This has been episode 102 of Linux in the Ham Shack. You can go to lhspodcast.info for all the information about the show, including where to find the live stream, where to send us donations to send us over to the Dayton Hamvention, and pretty much everything you ever wanted to know and probably a few things you didn't about our program. You can email me at k5tux at lhspodcast.info. You can call us and leave us voice feedback at one 547 7469 That's 909-LHS-SHOW. 
and we'll put your comments on the air. Unless you tell us not to, in which case, we won't. We're also on all of the social media networks out there. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Google+. We're on Identica. We're on 7threes.org. It's all out there for everybody to see. Become a member. Sign up for the mailing list. Become an ambassador. Just whatever it is, go do it. This has been episode 102, and I'm Russ, broadcasting from between the peaks in the pine forests of north-central Arkansas. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks for episode number 103, and it's going to be just as good, if not better, than the 102 that have come before. See you all next time.